Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. We are moving on to a new section in the um, epistle of John and in this chapter in particular. We're looking at, I've entitled this The Three Witnesses. And uh, let me just begin by reading a uh, quote by John MacArthur. He introduces this section by saying, The term witness is the theme of this section. The passage concerns the witness or testimony of God and the Spirit to the world regarding the great truth of the deity of Jesus Christ. The previous passage described overcomers as those who believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Here, John presents God's own testimony to confirm that Jesus is the Christ. So in other words, our ability to overcome the world is actually a testimony to the deity of Jesus Christ. See, we couldn't do that unless Jesus is God. Amen? That he's not just a man, he's not just a prophet, but he was actually God. And I think that's really significant, that we are a witness of his deity. We are a witness of what he did. Hallelujah. And who he is, really, um, which is what this whole section is about, and uh, why we should take the time to develop that in our life. But further to this, and uh, as mentioned before, the Apostle John now goes in to present God's own testimony in verses 6 through 8 by saying there, now, he says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. Verse 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Verse 8, and there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Now, <laughs> you know, when you first read this, you look at it and you think, okay, so what? <laughs> That's what I thought when I first read it. There's nothing in this Bible that is not significant. You know, it's only our understanding or lack of uh, that if we think something isn't significant, it's because we miss something. And uh, when I began to study this out, I realized what an incredible revelation this is. And before we move on, we need to fix up these verses, okay? Because we need to make an amendment in verses 7 and 8 since the words... Now, this is going to be a bit hard, Sarah. Do the best that you can. Since the words in heaven, you know in, when it says, uh, where are we? In verse 7, okay, verse 7 and 8. Notice when it says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, the Holy Spirit, these three are one. From the words in heaven onwards, right up till we get to the word earth in verse 8, doesn't exist. That was some little scribe. I'm going to, I'm going to read something to you. There was some little scribe that wrote something on the side of his thing that they included, and the original manuscripts don't have any of that in it. Okay, so <laughs> I used to preach on that. You know, I was a bit of a disappointment. But anyway, it, all of that, <laughs> that revelation is somewhere else, but it's not here. <laughs> okay, so let me just continue reading. So we need to make an amendment to verses 7 and 8 um, because of that whole section that's in there that actually doesn't exist. I. Howard Marshall explains that this entire section was added and probably owe their origin to some scribe who wrote them in the margin of his copy of 1 John. Later, they were erroneously regarded as part of the text. Uh, is that clear enough? Okay, all right. So let's read verses uh, 7 and 8 the way they should read. Then I'm going to insert them back into the whole section so you can see what it sounds like. So verses 7 and 8 should read, for there are three that bear witness, verse 8, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. 
All right, and all the more recent translations actually only have that. So if you had a Bible, you wouldn't see any of the wor words that I mentioned before because they're actually not there anymore. So let's, let me read again verses 5 through 8, <laughs> um, excuse me, 6 through 8 in John chapter 5 so that you see the continuity of this now. And it makes more sense. Let's read. Starting in verse 6 again, he says, This is, who, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Did you all get that? That flows better. Amen? Because the, the point of all of these are the three witnesses, and those three witnesses are, are repeated in the next two verses, following verse 6. So let's go, having fixed that up, okay, <laughs> let's, let's now go to verse 6. Where the Apostle John writes again and he says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. Now, first of all, with reference to the water and the blood. Simon J. Kistemacher explains that the Apostle John teaches the historical veracity of Jesus Christ. The Son of God began his earthly ministry when he was baptized. That's the water. Okay. He completed this ministry when he shed his blood and died. That's obviously the blood. Are you all getting this now? Okay. Further to this, I. Howard Marshall says that the reason why John emphasized these two events in the life of Jesus is to be seen in the second part of the verse where he stresses that Jesus did not come by water only, but by water and blood. If we read, as it were, between the lines, it is not hard to guess that John's opponents accepted that Jesus Christ came by water, but not by blood. I will explain all this to you, okay? All right. They held that the heavenly Christ descended upon Jesus at his baptism, but withdrew from him before his death, so that it was only the earthly Jesus who died and not the heavenly Christ. Over against this heresy, John emphasized that it was Jesus Christ, notice Jesus and Christ, okay? Not simply a human Jesus, who experienced both baptism and crucifixion. Let me stop there for a second. <laughs> okay, let me explain all that to you. What this is doing, and uh, you know, the significance of this verse, and what the Apostle John is bringing across to us here, is that there was a thought back then that they said, oh, that Jesus was just a normal human being. Right up to his baptism, and see how close this parallels a lot of stuff that we've preached, but, and I'll tell you why it's, why it's wrong and why, you know, what we were preaching was right. <laughs> okay? All right. Okay. So what they said was that Jesus was, you know, just a normal human being until his baptism. And you can understand why. Because, you know, we didn't do any miracles until that point in time. All right? Then at his baptism, this thing, heavenly thing called the Christ came upon him and stayed with him all the way until the crucifixion. And just before the crucifixion, it left him. Which is kind of right, but not. And so, you know, and so he didn't die as the Son of God. He just died as a man. So this was the heresy. This is why Jesus said, um, excuse me, the Apostle John says, not by water only, but by water and blood. So what he was saying was, listen, Jesus Christ, and this is the difference. Now let me just straighten this out for you a little bit. So what they're saying is, the Christ, that anointing, that divine uh, endowment, so to speak, came at the baptism and then left before the cross. Now, I've said to you in the past that Jesus had to let go of his divinity in order to die. 
What they are saying is that he was the son of God only from the time that he was baptized till before he died. The truth of it is he was the son of God from the very beginning. Remember all the angels? Okay, and angel Gabriel comes and tells Mary, there's going to be one born with, you know, in you and you're going to call him this and so on and so forth. Okay, so the thing, the difference is this. They were looking at it and said, well, we, we noticed that he only, and which is really interesting as well, okay, we only noticed that he performed miracles after he was baptized. Because he didn't perform any miracles before then, all right? And so they said, oh, something must have come on him. And so he wasn't that before then, that he was just the Christ only from that point on. The, but the, the truth of the matter is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and he was his begotten son from the very beginning. That's why the Apostle John, when he writes in John 1 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with oh, excuse me, the word was with God, the word was God, and then the word became, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, we, we take that for granted, but what he was saying was. Jesus Christ was God from the very beginning. In fact, he was God before he was born here. Amen. That's why he was with God in eternity past. All right. And so, isn't it interesting how people can take and twist things? And if you don't know this truth, they can, you know, they can talk you out of believing in Jesus Christ. So this is one of those things that I need you guys to know. Okay, the Apostle John reckoned it was important, so I think it's important. So let's go there, all right? And so he's letting us know that, no, Jesus, and I'll give you more scriptures later. We didn't get there today, so we're not going to get there this evening. Okay, I, can't, I have to parallel what I did this morning. But the thing was that <laughs> the Apostle John is letting us know that Jesus Christ was the Son of God from the very beginning. Now, he did have the Holy Spirit come upon him at his baptism, all right? But... Listen, he was still the son of God before the baptism, after the baptism, at the cross. When he died, he was the son of God all the way through. When he went to hell, he was still the son of God, by the way. He see, the difference is the relationship. So I'm going to get there in just a minute. Okay, that's one of the reasons why the Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, 1 John 1, 7, he says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Notice Jesus Christ, his son. That's why the Apostle John puts all of that in there, to let us know that he was still the Christ when he died. And because he was a Christ when he died, then his blood can do something for us. Are you all with me? Okay. Why he says, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, we're in big trouble if, you, if he wasn't the Christ when he died. We're in big trouble if God didn't die. Okay, when if he, Otherwise, if, a, if, if, you know, if any man went on there, they'd be dying for their own sins. But he was perfect. He had no sin. So he died for everybody else's sin, which is what allows us to receive forgiveness and be cleansed and be restored. First John 1 John 1.9. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And thank you, Jesus. You know, I love that verse because it... it <laughs> It lays waste to everything the enemy tries to do to you. He could spend six months, years, setting you up for a fall, and within two seconds you can be back on your feet. Even when he says, hang on a second, and we'll get to this. I think I'm getting ahead. Never mind. You know, even when he says, yeah, but they knew they were doing the wrong thing. And they still did it. You can't let him off. And I'm going to deal with that in just a minute. All right, 
<laughs> why? Because <laughs> the next quote deals with this, all right? Let's move on. The reason why this was so important is explained best by I. Howard Marshall, who writes, the importance of what may appear to be rather an obscure theological debate is that only on John's view of it can the death of Jesus be the mighty act of God for our salvation. For John's opponents, it was merely the human Jesus who died. All the force of John's statements that God showed his love to us by sending his son to die disappears if the one who died was not in fact Jesus Christ, the son of God. Did you get all that? Amen. All right. And all John's teaching that Jesus Christ offered a sacrifice for our sins and now acts as our advocate in heaven, likewise loses its meaning and force. Okay, so this is, <laughs> in other words, what he's saying is because he was the Christ, because he died as the, 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 you know, God's perfect sacrifice, because he was God, he is now in a position where he can, remember how it says that he is easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities? He knows when we mess up. Okay, and he knows whether we do it, whether knowingly or unknowingly, right? Because some of us just do it knowingly. So he needed to make sure that this thing was airtight. Whatever he did, regardless, the devil had no way of accusing the brethren. You know, he's called the accuser of the brethren. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so he looks for ways. And you know what's amazing and what just irks me is that he's the one that, that, that tempts you. He's called the tempter as well. Have you all noticed? Okay, he tempts you. He'll push you. He'll just do everything he can to make you do something that you know isn't right. And as soon as you do it, he turns around and he goes, oh, you did it. How dare you do it? Two seconds before that, do it. Nobody will see. Nobody knows. Just do it. It's not hurting anybody. Just do it. And as soon as you do it, suddenly it's like, you did it. You know you shouldn't have done it, but you did it. <laughs> you know, God knows the devil behaves this way. So he had to do something to just make sure that no matter how stupid we were, I'm putting my hand up. Okay, <laughs> he still could get us off. So what he does, see, because Jesus died for us, he became our advocate. In 1 John, I believe chapter 2 and verse 1, it talks about him being our advocate. You all know what the advocate is? Okay, it's our defense attorney in heaven. So, <laughs> so here it is. You know, when, no matter how long the devil takes to get you to do something wrong, the, 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 so the case, the, the case goes to court, okay? The heavenly court. And so guess who your representative is? Jesus Christ. In all of his robes, he comes in and he goes, yep. And, and guess who the judge is? It's God the Father. So there's Jesus as your defense attorney. There's God the Father. There's the devil. The devil's going, let's use her, okay? The uh, devil's going, she knew she was doing the wrong thing. She did it anyway. You, got, you, can't, you can't let her get away with this. Jesus looks at him and says, so who tempted them to do that? No, we don't care about that. The thing, <laughs> you know, he'll always go over the things that are, you know, okay? And he goes, no, the point is, the point is, they knew better and they still did it. And Jesus says, yes, but I died. I went to hell. You were there. You were doing all the torturing, <laughs> okay? Remember Jesus had to die. Remember he went, see, a lot of people say the cross was it. It wasn't it. Remember that Jesus had to pay two prices. It was a fleshly price and it was a spiritual price. It was physical and spiritual. And that's why, they, you know, I, I said this to you before in the Old Testament. They had two goats. 
they would sacrifice one and they would let the other one into the wilderness. That was an, you know, a picture of what Jesus would have to do when he went to hell. He was still paying a price. That goat wasn't sent off you know, <laughs> to some uh, uh, luscious sort of you know, a garden that had all beautiful fruits and everything else. It wasn't. It was a wilderness. The thing was out there by itself dying. So no, Jesus didn't go somewhere nice after he died on the cross. He went to hell. He was paying for our spiritual sin as much as he paid for all the physical things that we lost. Can you, you all know what I'm saying? Okay, he, you know, he paid the price. The devil took him down there. Remember it said, if they knew, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They messed up. So that's when Jesus turns around and says, as much as they messed up, you messed up worse. <laughs> okay, you took me to hell. You, you took me to hell. Didn't deserve to be there. Spent three days there paying the price. So you, have, you don't have a leg to stand on. And so it looks at, see, the, that's the reason why all we need to do, all we need to do is acknowledge our sin. Confess it. And he is faithful and just. Faithful and just. That's the justice. That's the court. All right? So not, he will never turn to you and go, you know, again, I mean, he can keep count. This is the 365th time. How many more? No, no. You know, that's enough. That'll do. You know, it's, uh, you know, he will, he's faithful. But there's also justice that demands that you are let go because of the cross. Are you with me? That's the justice that works for you. And so as our advocate, he says, no, justice demands that they are let set free because they ask for forgiveness. Because I died to pay the price for that. And the devil goes, no, I object. And then Jesus says to the father, so what do you think, dad? <laughs> Are you, do you get it? <laughs> you know, and the devil goes, oh, forget about this. It's not going to work. Which is exactly that. Every single time you come out cleansed, forgiven, with nothing on you to ever say that you had ever sinned. They burned the file. Amen. Cleansed of all unrighteousness. Amen. See, this is one of the most powerful things that is in a believer's life. I want to get there in just a moment with a few other things that I want to say as well before we run out of time. Okay. So as soon as we, I'm going to continue here. As soon as we reduce the death of Jesus to that of a mere man, so soon do we lose the cardinal point of the New Testament doctrine of the atonement. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. In the last analysis, the doctrine of the atonement meant that God himself bears our sins. I really love that. God himself bears our sins. You know, all the other religions say, well, I've show, I'll show you the way. I'll do, you know, I'll do all these things. This is how you get to a place where you're doing all the right things to please God, but you've got to do it yourself. Do you understand? It is only Christianity that God says, let me do it for you because there's something that you can't do that only I can do. Amen. Because there is a spirit realm, no matter how, many, how much good works we do, it's not going to pay that price. Are you all with me? Amen. And so that's the reason why only Jesus Christ can be Savior. Nobody else. Because he's not a man, he is God. It took God on both sides of this equation to get us out. Amen. And that's what this is all about. Amen? Okay. So, where was I? That God himself uh, 
bears our sins and shows that the in the final reality, uh, excuse me, that the final reality in the universe is his sin-bearing, pardoning love. But if Jesus is not the Son of God, his death can no longer bear this significance. Do you get this now? Why he says, not just by water, but by water and blood. Amen? Okay. That was the root of the problem. The heretic's inability, this is what I said I, I would get to, to separate Jesus Christ's divine life from his identity and relationship to God. Now, I said to you before that he had to let go of that divine life to die because you can't kill God. You all know? Okay, all right? So you had to let go of that. However, his identity was still the same. His relationship was still the same. He was still the Son of God. That never changed. That's why God would speak into hell. Hebrews records it and, and recalls him God and says that all the angels of God worship him. And when you read that, it's very hard. I, I, you know, first time I read Hebrews uh, chapter 1, I had no idea what was going on. Because I said, hang on a second, is that God talking? But he's talking about God. But it says that God was talking. How can God be talking and then talking about God? Somebody messed up somewhere in here and I didn't realize there was God on both sides. It was God the Father talking about God the Son and he was reinstating him back to that place. After he paid the price. Hallelujah. And I've dealt with that before. So praise the God, and, you know, praise the Lord and hallelujah. And that was awesome for him and for us. Amen. Okay. All right. So that's exactly what he did. Uh, and that is to die for our sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to bring this to a close. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3. That Christ, notice his divine title is used. Notice that. Okay. Died for our sins according to the scriptures. Do you notice that Christ died for our sins? Didn't say Jesus died for our sins. Whenever you see one or the other, you need to understand that the... <laughs> and I said this before. I think it's worth mentioning again. You know, the guys, when they're writing this, they didn't say, well, today I'm just going to use Jesus because I feel like a bit of a Jesus day today. And today I'm going to use Christ because I feel all holy. And some days I feel like a bit of both, so I use Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, listen, I'm teaching you something here. You know, whenever they use those designations, there is a reason. If they say Jesus, they are exemplifying his humanity. If they're saying Christ, they're exemplifying, they're saying this, you know, bringing, putting a spotlight on his deity. If they say Jesus Christ, they're saying here's the God man. Both of those things are important right now. So you need to see everything that you're reading in light of you know, whichever name that is being used. So here, and, and you know, I said, you know, let me just share this too. There was a point in time when a certain camp sort of went off in a certain direction and just said that Christ is the anointing and the anointed. And it's true. It's absolutely true. But it's not just that. If we just see anointed and anointing, we miss the point that he is the son of God. That there was something very significant that he did. Even though it's not his last name, it's a designation of his divinity. Are you all with me? That Jesus was the Christ, not just anointed, but he was the Christ, the son of the living God. That was important. Are you all with me? Amen. So that when he died and when they make references like this to the Christ, the anointing didn't die. Christ died. The son of God died. Are you all with me? Because God had to leave at that point in time. Do you see how this is? Yeah, okay. All right. So, and so notice again that he says that Christ died for our sins. In order for, for us to be released, to be set free from our sins, it had to be that Christ died. Not just the water, but the water and the blood. He was, he was God all the way through, okay? And the last scripture I want to draw attention to is Hebrews chapter 9, 
verse 14, Hebrews 9 and verse 14, it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Notice that he was without sin at all. Okay? So he says, uh, notice again that he says, How much more shall the blood of what? Of Christ. Not Jesus, but the blood of Christ. Okay? And he says, who again through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Do you know the power in that statement? It cleanses you from dead works. It cleanses you from your past. It cleanses you from anything that you've done wrong and will do in the future. It cleanses you so that nothing in your past can hold you from uh, fulfilling your future. Remember, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that was prepared beforehand. It wasn't the saving that was prepared beforehand. It was the, once you get in, we've got a plan for you beforehand. <laughs> okay? And I've mentioned this before. You know, so many people read that and say, see, that's predestination. It's not that kind of predestination. Don't get... Anyway, okay? <laughs> it's <laughs> when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord. You know, if, if say, for example, you know, Andrew comes into the kingdom. God is not going to go, he did what he got saved. I didn't think he would. I guess I go better make a plan for him. We'll make it an average plan because, you know, I really, really? Are you sure you didn't get the names mixed up? You, you got the right address, didn't you? <laughs> okay? Yeah, that will never happen. Do you understand that, that God has a, every human being that is born in this earth, God has a very specific plan, purpose, and destiny. And it's not average, it's not normal, it's extraordinary, it's divine, and it's, it'll blow your mind. It's meant to be far beyond what you can ever plan for your own self. So if you think your plans are better than his, you are worshiping the wrong God. Amen. Take yourself off the throne. <laughs> okay? You need to put Jesus Christ on there because he will ask you to do stuff that takes faith in him to get it done. Amen. Are you all with me? Okay. And so, <laughs> you know, so th this is the plan. That's what it talks about. That's what God has planned for you. And this tells us that Jesus Christ has paid the price so that none of your past failures get in the way of you accomplishing something extraordinary in your life. Isn't that wonderful? And all because he came by water and blood. <laughs> okay, he didn't just come by water. Yeah, you, do you all think that was all that was in that little verse? I, I tell you, I, to be honest, I didn't think, oh, I read that and thought water and blood, blood and water, who cares? You know? <laughs> okay, but when I began to realize what this was talking about, I began to realize the Apostle John was drawing our attention and trying to let us know that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that when he died, it did make a difference. We were cleansed. We were set free. And we were set free to do not just whatever we want to do, but to do something extraordinary with our life. So that once again, your life becomes a witness to his deity. Do you get this? Do you know that when you shine out, and you don't have to do uh, things that the world says are important. There are things that God says are important. If he created you to do a certain thing and the world doesn't uh, understand, doesn't give you the, the, you know, the due credit, forget about it. Your reward is going to be in heaven. God will say, well done, thou good 
and faithful, faithful to do what I ask you to do, servant, <laughs> okay? And when you come in, everything will be waiting for you. You know, there's some little granny that stayed in the back of the church. Nobody knew she was even there that prayed, you know, heaven and earth that caused the church to grow and multiply that gets a mansion in heaven. And then the pastor comes in and he gets a little shack on the left. And he thought he was the big deal, that it was his church. It was his. And thank God it was him because it would have all gone off the rails. This little lady in the back, this little old granny was keeping it all together. Listen, even though man may not recognize it, God will recognize it. And forever you'll be rewarded. We're looking for that. Amen? Amen? Okay. Well, I'm going to stop there, all right, uh, because I can't go on. Because <laughs> I didn't in the morning. I pray that this has blessed you. And I, <laughs> and I pray that you receive something from this. That you understand the significance of what the Apostle John was bringing across to us. And trying to get across to us that Jesus Christ was God beginning to end. We're going to look at more of these things. We're going to look at all the, the, the evidences that were there. Uh, I'll take you through this, okay? I, I won't leave you hanging. But not today. <laughs> For today, I pray that you receive the revelation that Jesus Christ died for your sin. He set you free from everything on your past so that you can forge ahead in your future so that nothing gets in the way of that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for paying the price. We thank you, Father, for doing everything.